but uh, I'm glad that the Lord has given us privilege to be back. Uh, we have been preaching on the first week of this year of the month. We preached on God, and, and then we want you to know about God. And we found that, uh, that it's three words, uh, nothing and nowhere and no one is kind of God. And so that was encouraging to our hearts. So we preached the second week on Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And then we preached the third week on the Word of God. And then we preached the fourth week on the Word of God. And now this morning we'll go back on the Word of God. And uh, my heart and desire is for the year 2024 that we know God, Jesus, and His Word. And so in doing that, we uh, know and realize that there's a lot to say about the Word of God, and, and we have been saying it concerning that. I want to preach one more week here on this subject of the Word of God. And so if you have your Bible, turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 and verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and verse 16. And we're really going to hone in this morning in verse 15. And we want to preach this morning on the power of the Word of God. The power of the Word of God. Have you ever wondered why there's folks in your family that don't get saved? And you pray that they get saved. And uh, there may be folks that may be in your work or maybe some other places and you're saying, Lord, save them. Lord, save them. There may be children, grandchildren uh, that are out and about and they're living in sin and they're not at all having anything to do with God and the things of God. And as you are grandparents and as mothers and fathers, you're begging God to save them, to save them. Well, there has to come a place in their lives where you have to find that there has to be a power that will bring them unto salvation. We're going to read that in verse 15. Let's stand to our feet and uh, in honor of God's Word, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy and verse 15. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, as we come to you, we humbly come to you and submissively come to you, asking God for the help of the Lord. Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, some of us are just sinners that need to be saved. And then some of us are sinners that have been saved. And Lord, I just know this morning that you want to save all. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that's without Christ, without God, without hope, God, I pray, Lord, before they leave out of the house of God, that they might be born again. I pray, Lord, that you give them what they need. I pray, Father, that you reveal in their hearts, they manifest to them the things of God, persuade them, and convince them today, God, that Jesus is Savior and He's Lord. And I pray that they make Him Dear God, that Savior and that Lord. Father, lead and guide the service. May you be pleased with all that's said and done. God, anoint us with your Spirit. Guard our lips and our mind that we might be careful, dear God, to bring praise under our Lord. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as you look at the Scripture here this morning and thinking of those that you might call, 
call on God to save and call on others to be born again, uh, it's going to require the Holy Scriptures. It's going to require the Holy Scriptures to make them wise unto salvation. You see, salvation is not just something you do in the baptistry or something that you do by the way of a good work. Or salvation is not something that you do by being kind and generous and by being loving and by being a good father, a good mother. Uh, all of those things are admired and all of those things are to be uh, lifted up and, and definitely not uh, discarded. But salvation's a little different than all. According to the scripture, you got to be made wise unto salvation. And so there's something that's outside of you, something beyond you, something greater than you, something that is that you can't manipulate nor can you defile, has to come in your life and upon your ears within your heart that will make you wise unto salvation. And that is the Holy Scriptures. Not just Scripture, Holy Scriptures. And not just any Bible, but the Holy Bible. And so we find if anybody ever is going to have an opportunity to be born again, it won't be because of your prayer. And it won't be because of their goodness. And it won't be because of their choice. It won't be because of their decision. And I promise you, it won't be because of their prayer. A lot of people today think they're saved because they prayed a prayer. A lot of people today think they're saved because they have said a word or they have said some words after a preacher. Like a preacher would say this, do you want to be saved and go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I want us to go to heaven. Or then are you uh, a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner. And uh, do you want to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. Well, then pray after me. And the preacher will say something like this, Lord, I come to you as a sinner. And they say, Lord, I come to you as a sinner. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I ask you to come in my heart. I ask you to come in my heart and save me and save me. And Lord, thank you for saving me. And thank you for saving me. And then he'll bring up that individual. he put it before the church. He'd say to the church, this individual has been saved. Well, he don't know that. That preacher has no idea about what's going on in the heart of that individual. Right. And so all of that takes place and that individual leaves out of the church and goes about their business and still lives in sin and still has no peace with God and still in war with God and still don't have the ability to say no to sin, no to temptation and has a full life of just disaster always looking at themselves and down on themselves and say, you know what, I can't be enough to be a Christian. I can't, I can't get those things like everybody else. I, I don't do what the other people do. It just don't seem to be in me and you struggle your entire Christian life or so-called Christian life and you die and go to hell. Right. And Fred, that's not the way it works today. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there has to come a place in your life when you actually hear the Word of God. You actually hear the Holy Scriptures. And the Holy Scriptures is being presented to you by the way of preaching, by the way of teaching, by the way of you reading, by the way of you gathering the Holy Scriptures within your life. And as you look and read and hear the Word of God, that Word of God makes you wise. It brings a wisdom within you that now you can be saved. Right. And it tells you that that salvation is going to be through Christ in the Lord Jesus Christ. Correct. 
And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about these very important thoughts concerning salvation. I feel this morning that a many of folks today uh, is not saved because it's been watered down behind the pulpit. It's been told uh, wrong. It's been given in a way of easy believism. Uh, you can just do anything and everything to be born again. But that's not how it works. It's funny to me because if I was going to be a doctor and I was going to school for a doctor, I would have to have some books and some teachers that would be teaching me about medicine. Right? And so uh, you're not going to be able to, to go to be a doctor and they start teaching you about how to build an engine. That's the wrong book. Right? right? I mean, you're learning how to build an engine. When you want to be a doctor, uh, you'll never be wise unto be a doctor right. by reading a book that be, rebuilds an engine. So it works the same way with salvation. You've got to get under uh, that power, uh, under that force, under that entity uh, that's called the Holy Scriptures. You've got to come to church and hear the Scriptures. You've got to come under the preaching of the Scriptures, the witnessing of the Scriptures. You've got to come in front of the Scriptures. The Scriptures have to come upon your ears and in your heart in order for you to be saved. That's why when somebody who is unsaved and you want them to be saved and when you talk to them, you say, well, you know, the Bible says, and they say this, I know what the Bible says. But the problem is, is they, they know up here what the Bible says, but they don't know what here what the Bible does. So it's not what the Bible says that's important. What's important is what the Bible does. And the Bible will bring you unto wisdom, unto wise, unto salvation. And so this morning, we just want to make it clear. We don't want anybody out of here to walk out of here thinking you're saved when you're lost. We don't want anybody in here thinking when you prayed that prayer that that prayer saved you. We don't want anybody thinking that when you get baptized in the baptistry that somehow this city water of Stafford uh, full of all of impurities and defilements and all that kind of stuff within it has the power to wash your sins away. Uh, we don't want at confusion at all. We don't want no confusion to think that if you join this church today you're going to heaven. Uh, that's not true. I don't want you to think today that if you have all good works, you feed the poor, you, you take the hungry and you, you take in the orphans and, and you give your money and your tithes and you do this and that and yonder that somehow you're going to find some freedom with God and some liberty with God and maybe God will favor you at the end of your life when you die that when you stand before God He'll put you in some two scales and one scale is good, one scale is bad and if you got more good than you got bad then God says come on in here Peter bring them on in the gate I don't want you to think that today, I just want you to know something, it's going to be the scriptures that's going to make you wise unto salvation and until you get under that scripture you'll never can be saved ever, it doesn't matter uh, what you do say you say well grandpa was a preacher Mom and Daddy went to church all the time. I hear this all the time when I grew up in the church. I mean, when I was a baby, I was in the church. I grew up in the church, and because I grew up in the church somehow, some way, all of that faith that my mom and daddy had and all that belief in Jesus that they had has transferred to me. And now, because mom and daddy and grandpa and grandma love God, I love God. No, that's not how this works. We don't transfer the faith of the parents to the children. You've got to get under the preaching, the Holy Scriptures. 
Number one, I want you to notice this morning. In the way of the salvation that I'm speaking of, it's the will of God. So if anybody's saved in here this morning, the only reason why you were saved is because of the will of God. It wasn't your will. It was His will. His will is what makes you and I bring you to the place of salvation. There's no one in this room that was ever willing to be saved. There was none doeth good, though not one. There was none righteous. There was none seeking God. There was not anyone in this room that's trying to figure out how to get your sins forgiven and how to put down sin. There's nobody in this room that's looking to find how to live right and do right. No, there had to be something in our lives that brought us to that place of being saved, and it was the will of God. And so if you're not saved this morning, you're going against the will of God. And you don't want to go against the will of God because His will always prevails. And so we find this morning the will of God in the way of salvation. For he says in verse 15, And that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, we find, number one, in the will of God, the definition of salvation. So what does it mean to be saved? What does salvation mean? Well, it means this this morning. It means God desires to deliver you. That word salvation means deliverance. And God desires to deliver you. That's his will. Friend, that's what God wants out of your life is to deliver you. You say, well, I don't know. I don't understand that. What I need to be delivered from? Well, there's a lot of things you need to be delivered from. i just give you one this morning, hell. And that would be enough for me. So God wants to deliver you from hell. Number two, that word salvation in this scripture means preservation. God, God desires to preserve you. What preserve you, what do you mean by that? I mean God wants to preserve you for heaven. Right now, without being saved, you're not going to heaven. And you're going to have to have salvation in order to be preserved to go to heaven. You see, because you need preservation. Because our lives are so, are so messed up and our lives are so wicked because we have a wicked heart and we are so wishy-washy. Uh, one day we like and the next day we don't like. One day we want to do right, the next day we don't want to do right. One day we live by feelings and the other day we live by faith. And it just seems like day by day all of us could go away, all of us could go astray, all of us could do this, that, and yonder and we're just never we're never solid, we're never just satisfied, we're never just balanced. If we are just left alone today, all of us would go bad. But because of salvation, He preserves us. He keeps us saved. He keeps us born again. We stay His child of God, not because we stay in serving God, not because we keep coming to church, not because we keep on reading our Bible. No, because of Him and Him alone we're saved. So there's a preservation. God says, it's my will that I preserve you unto salvation. It's my will that I will deliver you from hell. But then I want you to notice thirdly, that word salvation means rescue. God desires to rescue you. Rescue from who? Rescue from the devil. You see, the devil, the devil hates you. 
Because you're made in the image of God and anything and everything that God is involved in, he's against. He opposed God in heaven. He wanted to be God. And ever since he came down and cast into the earth, he has been opposing everything that God has ever developed or ever had. And friends, continuing today, it will continue until Jesus comes in the way of the rapture. And we find this morning that it is the will of God, the desire of God, that he rescue you from the devil. Amen. Amen. The Bible says the devil is the God of this world. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, I'll pray for you. Why? Oh, because Satan will sift you as wheat. You see, this morning, God's will and the way of salvation is he wants to rescue you. He wants to deliver you, preserve you. That word salvation means heal. That the word right there in verse 15, it says, unto salvation, salvation means heal. God desires to heal you. What do you mean? I got cancer, he's going to heal you? No, you got a sin problem. He wants to heal you this morning. He wants to heal all the guilt. He wants to heal all of the regret. He wants to heal all of the memory. He wants to heal you in your mind, in your heart, so that when he forgives you of your sin and you get pardoned from your iniquities, this morning that you'll find within your heart uh, such a healing of the blood of the Lamb that you no longer regret, you no longer, friend, feel bad day after day. You no longer have a time and place where you find that there's a blame on you uh, as you go about your life saying, you know what, if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have been here. And look at my children today. If I would have lived a better life, they might be different than they were. And look at this here. I done gave my mom and daddy heartache. I can cause trouble in their home. And 20 years later, you're thinking, I feel sorry for little old mama and little old daddy today. But you don't have to live in that regret and that blame all your life. The devil wants you that way. But God says, it's my desire to heal you. Heal you from sin and to heal you from the results of sin and the consequences of sin. Isn't that good? For the will of God. The fifth word that this word salvation means, I'm just trying to give you definition so you know. God says he desires to save you. The word salvation means save, save, just save you. What does that mean? Well, that just means that God said, it's my will that you become mine. That you be my child. That you live on this side and and you're just my possession. I want to save you. I want to save you for me. I want to use you for the glory of God. I want to bless you. I want, I want you to have peace in your heart. I want you to be filled with the goodness of God. I want you to have strength with me. I want you to be able to live on this side, standing for Jesus, living for God, loving the things of God, doing right by a husband, doing right by a wife, and living in such a way that brings honor and it brings a glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to save you. Amen. It's the will of God. Yes. It's the will of God. It may not be your will, but it's God's will. And so we find this morning in the definition of this word salvation. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says this, 
Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Who will have all men? God says in Second in First Timothy two four, they'll have all men. That means everybody in this room, everybody outside of this room, everybody born, and everybody that will be born. He said, "I will have all men to be saved." That's God. That's God. That's His will. Now I know it's another place in Scripture. Second Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. That means go to hell and misery for eternity. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance means a changed heart, a changed mind, a changed life. One that will turn from your sin and turn from your wicked ways and turn from your, the society in which you're living and the sinfulness in which you are. And you turn to them and you turn to Jesus for salvation. Repentance this morning. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish. God says, I'm not willing that any go to hell. I'm not willing any find damnation. I'm not willing any be re-ruined and destructed. I'm not willing, friend, that anybody would not go to heaven. Right. I'm not willing. Amen. Aren't you glad it's the will of God for salvation? I'm so glad it is. I'd have never had salvation if it was my will. Thank God for his will. I preached on this and didn't finish it, but Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, chapter Jeremiah chapter 36, verses 1 through 3. God is given the scripture, and the first thing he gives is God warns the pending judgment that's coming to evil. That's what he does in Jeremiah 36. He tells the prophet, you tell them that God said judgment's coming. The second thing that God said to them, the reason I'm letting you know that judgment is coming is because as you hear the word of God, I'm hoping that you repent of your evil. So the only reason why God would tell us, listen, if you, whosoever believeth not, uh, the Bible says, uh, believeth not, shall perish or shall be condemned. And why God would say that to you and I would be because I want you to repent. I want you to turn from your sin. I want you to turn from your wickedness and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why I'm telling you there's a hell to gain. There's a judgment of God. There's a sentence upon your life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I mean, the Bible teaches over and over and over that when you die, it's not over. The Bible says it's pointing to man once to die. Then after this, the judgment. Every one of you going to face God one day. And what are you going to say to him without the blood of the Lamb? And that's why he's telling them. He said, I'm letting you know this so that you can repent and turn from your wicked ways. So this is God's will. If God wanted folks to go to hell and God was interested in damnation and God was interested in the judgment of men, he would bring no warning. Men would just die and go to hell. But that's not the will of God. The will of God is that men would repent. And then the third thing, he said, so once you repent, then I could just forgive you of your sins. You see, it's all the will of God that he forgives sins. 
Do you know this morning, for everybody that is saved in this room, who's experienced salvation, it was God's will that he forgive us. I mean, once we understood and once we come under the power of the Scripture and the Spirit of God brought enlightenment to our minds and to our hearts, and then we said, yes, I want forgiveness of sin, and yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord and my Savior of my life. But way before that decision on our part, it was God's decision to say, I can't wait to forgive you. I want to. So you that are unsaved this morning, never been born again. Listen, there's nobody else bigger on your side than God. That's right. There's nobody in this world who's saying to you, come on, come on, come on. I mean, turn from your sin. Trust Jesus as Savior. I want to forgive you. I really do. All your sin, pardon your sin from the sin of the past, the sin of the present, the sin of the future. All sin, every sin, any sin. Oh, I want to forgive you and give you repentance of it. And that's what God wants, the will of God. Salvation this morning. Salvation. But what a God we have. What a Lord. It's never God's will for sinners not to be delivered, preserved, rescued, healed, or saved. It's never not God's will. In Titus chapter 3, which is the book right over to the right, if you turn with me. Chapter 3, and look in verse 3, talking about the will of God, talking about the definition of salvation. What does it mean? Well, he tells us right here. He says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Can you identify yourself in that verse? Anybody? I can. If you're honest with yourself, you can too. You can say verse 3 was me. Or you can say verse 3 is me. But then look in verse 4. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. So you've been told wrong when somebody says you can be saved by works. All you got to do is get baptized, join the church, become goods, lay down your, lay down your smoking, your drinking, and your cussing and pornography, and pick up going to church and reading the Bible and singing the hymns. You'll be just fine by doing that, but that's not what the Bible teaches. He right. said, we're not by, by works of righteousness, which we have not done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed in abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the word, that's the definition of salvation. God. It's his will. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 2 with me. If you didn't find yourself there, maybe you'll find yourself here. Ephesians chapter 2, just go back a little. Four or five books there. You'll find Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's where we all were. Some of y'all still are. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Have you seen yourself there? I mean, are you there? Have you been there? You can say, man, I have been guilty of these things. Well, then I hope this morning that you have experienced verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, when, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, hath raised us up together, made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his knowledge toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we have to know that the salvation I'm speaking of is the will of God. The will of God. Number two. Now I notice the definition of salvation, but I want you to notice the demonstration of salvation. How is it demonstrated? Well, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it was demonstrated at Jesus' birth. I want you to read that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says this. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You see, this salvation I'm talking about this morning not only has a definition, but it's got a demonstration. And the demonstration of salvation is Jesus, when he was born from a virgin out of his mother's womb, and prior to even being born, we understand and know that he was the Savior. His name is Jesus, that he's going to come forth to do what? To save his people from their sins. That's demonstration. That's the demonstration of salvation this morning. That one man would come and one man would lay down his life and one man would voluntarily die and one man would shed his blood and one man would come upon the cross and he would do it lovingly and with much, much of humility and he would do that so that he would die on the third day he would arise from the dead and that you and I can have forgiveness of sins this morning according to the scriptures the Bible says because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we find that we now have salvation, and it was started at his birth. Number two, now I noticed that this demonstration of salvation was at the birth of Jesus, but I noticed it was at the work of Jesus. We find in Matthew chapter 18, in verse 11, for the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. That was his work. That was his mission. Uh, that was his purpose. He didn't come to find a wife and have children. He didn't come to be the king of Jerusalem. He didn't come friend, in order to have a political stand. He didn't come to build an army. He didn't come to have a university. He didn't come to start a business. He didn't come, friend, to be the most smart and wisest and intellectual man in all the world. He didn't come to be the most, most billionaire of billionaires of billionaires. He came to do one thing, to seek and to save that which was lost. And so the definition of salvation this morning is seen not only in Jesus' birth, but in Jesus' work. In his work. 
You say, well, he came to heal. No, he, just came, he came to save, but he healed along the way. You see, he came to save, but, but didn't he raise the dead? He did that too, but he just did that along the way. He cast out demons. He, he walked on water. He calmed the storm. He found a coin in a fish's mouth. I mean, listen, friend, he, he took the leprosy off of a man. He took the lame that could walk, the deaf could hear, the blind could see, the dumb could think, and the one that couldn't talk could talk. And, and I'm just saying all that, friend, were miracles and signs and wonders that show forth that Jesus Christ is approved of God. But his whole mission was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. Demonstration of salvation. Seen at his birth. Seen at his work. But then I notice in John chapter 12 and verse 47 says, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world... To save sinners of whom I am chief. Not but Jesus' work and, and birth, but at Jesus' death. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 and verse 9. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, that we shall be saved from the wrath through him. And so not only at his birth we find a demonstration of salvation, but in his work we saw it as well. But now at his death we find that the demonstration of salvation at his death, he died to save. He died so that we don't have to go through the wrath of God. He died so you and I don't have to go to hell. He died so you and I can be born again, saved with the blood of the Lamb, to be a child of God, to be children of the Lord, to have an inheritance in heaven, to have a reservation in heaven, for to have peace in our heart, to have rest with God, to have joy in our lives, to have a purpose and reason of living. And so we find His death very demonstration of salvation. But not only at his birth and work and death, but I notice at his resurrection. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 10, it says, For he, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What does that mean? That means, friend, that Jesus did come. Or Jesus was born to save his people from their sins. Amen for that. Amen. And there in his work, he said, I came to seek and to save. I didn't come to judge, but I come to save. I, I didn't come to do away. I came to fulfill. I mean, all through this, all through the passages this morning, we can go through that Jesus' work was to save, was to save, was to save, was to save. At his death, we find that his death, his shedding of his blood, was for the remission of our sins that brought salvation to us. But, friend, we find also at his resurrection. All that Jesus ever did prior to his resurrection would have been null and void if he never did resurrect. And so because he did resurrect, it gives us a demonstration of what salvation is. At his resurrection, we can have life. The will of God. The will of God was seen at his birth. The will of God was seen in his work. The will of God has seen with his, his resurrection, I mean his death and his resurrection, but then at his ascension. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, 
The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. When Jesus ascended unto heaven in Acts chapter 1, we find that, that ever since that period and that point, there's not ever been anyone else a name given under heaven whereby you must be saved except the name of Jesus. So at his ascension, he showed us the demonstration of salvation. John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We understand this morning that it's God's will for you to be saved. Number three, nor did I notice the definition of salvation, and I noticed the demonstration of salvation, but I noticed the determination of salvation. We find that God sent the Savior. And 1 John 4, 14 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, Fred, there's every soul that is in hell this morning. You're not in hell because of God. For everyone that will die today and enter to hell is not in hell because of God. And everyone that will die in the days ahead will die and go into hell won't be because of God. God has made much determination of salvation because he sent his son. And Fred, you'll find that the God of this universe, the creator of this world, the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the God that has above and beyond any other God, he said, beside me there's no other God. And besides me, Fred, that cannot be counseled, he cannot be told, he cannot be defeated, he cannot be ignored. He's God and that God, Jehovah this morning, Elohim this morning, that God said to the world, I send my son and I send my son so that you can be saved it's my will I am determined I am determined that every rotten sinner and sorry low down piece of trash would get born again I'm telling you everyone in prison everyone in jail everyone that commits adultery and fornication every pornographer every homosexual every abortionist friend everyone that does drugs and alcohol and abuses children abuses women and steals and one friend I could say that's jealous and bitter and ugly and unforgiven and on and on and on and we would say God would say I sent my son for that so whatever you ever done God's determined in his will that you get saved how do you know he's determined he sent his son (laughs) he sent his son thank you father for sending your son we notice thirdly In the way of this word salvation, I'm trying to bring salvation out this morning. The determination of salvation, God sent the Savior, but the Savior died for the sinner. Acts chapter 5, verse 30, God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on the tree. With God exalted his, with his right hand to be the prince and savior for to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. This morning, friend, uh, if you're unsaved, you're without God, you're not born again this morning, I'm going to tell you the will of God in this determination is that Jesus said, I came to die for the sinner. If God sent the sinner, I mean, God sent the savior, man, what determination. But then the Savior died for the sinner. 
Man, there ain't nobody in all the world has ever done more for you to be saved than Jesus. There ain't nobody in all the world in Buddha and in Hindu and Jehovah Witness and Mormon and Catholicism and all the other religions. There's nobody, friend, your mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa and the very best politician and the most billionaire of all the sports people and all the, the TV uh, excitement and all of the singers and all the people that we have today that seem to have much influence and much impact into our society. There's nobody, nobody, not just one this morning done anything for you to be saved more than what Jesus did. Died. Died willfully. Died full of humility. In obedience to the Father. Laid down His life so that you can be saved. Oh, can I say the determination of salvation? God sent the Savior. The Savior died for the sinner. Can I say here thirdly, the sinner is under conviction by the Holy Ghost. John 16, 8, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That means God the Father. That means God the Son. That means God the Spirit has determined with all that they could, all they can do to give you salvation. You might be in a service just as this, and as the Word of God's being preached to you this morning, there is something that's talking to you, telling you, speaking to you. You say, what is this going on in my heart? It's the Holy Ghost of God. And the Holy Ghost of God is bringing conviction upon your heart. The Holy Ghost of God is telling you you're a sinner without God. The Holy Ghost of God is telling you sin will end you up in hell. The Holy Ghost of God is telling you that I got a remedy for that sin. And I got an answer for that sin. And if you would, if you would just turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and turn from your wicked ways, and put your back to the sin of your life, and look toward Jesus this morning, and you would lay down your life before Him, and raise him up in your heart this morning and believe him and receive him and follow him that you can be born again and saved by the glory of God this morning. He's saying to you the Holy Ghost of God is bringing you to the understanding that sin is sinful and sin there's wages and the wages of sin is hell but he's also telling you about the righteousness about God is righteous and you're not righteous and if you're ever going to go to heaven you got to get righteous but you can't have your righteousness you got to have his righteousness and he's the righteous one this morning and you need him in your life and he's telling you about judgment there's coming a day that you're going to give an account to God so this Holy Ghost of God is doing everything he can this morning Mm -hmm. I mean the Holy Ghost of God is speaking he's tugging He's doing. Every time you come here, he's just doing his work. He's doing his work. When you leave out of here, he's still doing his work. You at home, you wonder why you could tossing around. You wonder why at work you just seem so unsettled. It's the Holy Ghost of God saying, I want you to be saved. I want you to be my fathers. I want you to come into the family of God. I want to forgive you of your sin. I want to be part of your life. I want you to live for me. And Jesus came and died. Did all he could do. What else could a man do so that you would be born again? You can't do no more than die. And then God. We heard this morning in Sunday school, he's a pretty busy fella. God, according to Psalms chapter 104, read it. You'll find that God's handling everything. 
I mean, he's up worried about the conies up in the mountains. He's worried about the fish in the deep sea. He's worried about the old bluebird that's flying across in the air. He's worried about that old loudmouth lion down there in the jungles. He's worried about this little mosquito and the old spider. Listen, friend, he, he, he's in every aspect of his creation. He's got a lot of things going on. He's got a lot of things doing. But what did he do? He sent the Savior. Why would he do that? Because it's the will of God that you be saved. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you the demonstration. I'm telling you the definition. I'm telling you the determination this morning. That's the will of God. The will of God. Number two, can I talk to you about the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God. The Bible says in our text in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says so clearly and plainly and very much understandable that which are able to make thee wise, wise unto salvation. So this salvation that I just talked about a while ago, about what God did, what Jesus did, what the Holy Spirit does, and, and all the scriptures that we laid out before you, none of that really matters until you get wise. You've got to be wise unto salvation. You've got to have, and what does that mean? Well, it means that a divine intelligence Say, turn your Bibles to Matthew 16 with me. Matthew 16. We're going to the Bible study. Matthew 16, look in verse 15. Jesus asked a question in verses 13. Is whom do men say that the Son of Man am? They answer that. Verse 15, Jesus said unto them, What but whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The only way that Peter and the apostles could ever know that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God, it took the revealing of the Father to do that. There was a divine intelligence that took place. That word wisdom there, that word wise unto salvation means intelligence. And it's only when God will bring revelation into your mind where you now have intelligence that that Jesus is just not a prophet, that Jesus is just not a teacher, that Jesus is just not a Bible character, that Jesus is just not a friend, that Jesus is just not a miracle worker, that that Jesus is just not a passionate guy and a kind guy, but that Jesus is Christ. And that Jesus is the Son of the living God. He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And only by God revealing that to you can you know. Wise unto salvation. Divine intelligence. Divine intelligence. How do I know that? Well, there ain't none of us knew it from a kid. And there ain't none of us going to get it from a preacher. And none of us is going to get it from mom and daddy. And none of us is going to get it from reading a book of some type. The only way that you're going to have divine revelation or divine intelligence is through the Father. Amen. The Holy Scriptures. That will bring divine intelligence. Number two, divine understanding. Turn to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. These are good verses to show people about salvation if you want to 
lead somebody to Christ if you have that concern or if you have that burden upon your heart. So we find that word wise, it means intelligence, but it also means understanding. Mark chapter 15, verse 33, the Bible says, When the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Elo, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it up on a reed and gave it to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent and twined from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion, which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and, the, and gave up the ghost he said truly this man was the son of God he had a divine understanding right there prior to this day prior to this incident this man this centurion was an unbeliever but because of what he heard and what he saw and what was going on, it was a divine understanding to this centurion. He said this, he said, truly. Before, before he didn't have this, truly, truly, this man is the Son of God. You know, in order for you to be saved, friend, you've got to have wise unto salvation. You've got to have a divine knowledge. And it ain't going to happen because some man gave it to you. It's because some God gave it to you. Hey, Amen. It's going to come through the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures gives you that knowledge. I mean, when I got saved on October 30th, 1988, I remember the day I got born again, it was like the light came on. It was like, man, I see it now. It's like, man, I... I can't believe I didn't see this before. It's just so simple, so easy. But, man, it took God to bring me for 10 years to the place of salvation. There's a divine teaching. That word wisdom or wise means teaching. Look in John chapter 1 and verse 45. We find here, the Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before thy for that Philip called thee when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. This was a divine teaching. Wise unto salvation. Nathaniel didn't believe in Jesus at all. Nathaniel didn't have the heart that he was the son of God, that he was the king of Israel. He didn't have that at all. Oh, but he learned by what Jesus said to him. He said, I know what you are. Divine teaching. Divine understanding. Divine intelligence. John chapter 4, verse 39. Divine learning. 
Here was a woman who came to the well lost without God. Look in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that he ever did. So she got saved. Now she's telling everybody in the city about this man Jesus. They're learning. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that they would tarry with him, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. How did they get saved? Wise unto salvation, because they had a divine learning. They learned who he was. Divine knowledge. The word wise means knowledge. John chapter 20, verse 26. The Bible says, And after eight days, again, his disciples were within Thomas with him. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, stood in the midst of them, said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands, reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. How did that happen? That happened because of a divine knowledge. Before Jesus was there, he said, I didn't believe that. I don't believe that at all. And Jesus said, well, touch here. Put your hand here. Feel here. He did so. And he said, boy, you're the Lord. <laughs> you're the Lord. Knowledge. All I'm saying this morning, if you're ever going to be saved, you're going to have to understand that the wisdom of God is what's bringing you to salvation. Amen. And it comes to the Holy Scriptures. And if you want to be saved this morning, you've got to get in the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures has got to get in you. The Holy Scriptures has got to work in you. The Holy Scriptures has got to persuade you. The Holy Scriptures has got to convince you. The Holy Scriptures has got to work in you. Holy Scriptures, thirdly, and I won't be able to close with this, I close with this, but I won't be able to finish the Word of God. Look at verse 16 into our text. Because I've got to make clear what we're talking about when I say the Holy Scriptures. So you got the will of God, you got the wisdom of God, but now you got the Word of God. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Holy Scriptures this morning are those that are inspired. What does it mean by being inspired? It means God breathed to the 40 men over a 1,500-year period, and 66 books came into being. He breathed them into existence. He's the one who has caused that Scripture to come forth. It's called the Holy Scriptures because the holy breath of God breathe out holy words. Amen? Number two, it is the preserved scriptures. Psalms 12, verse 7 through 8, we preached on that last week. We found that God has preserved His words. And so how did He do that? Well, He took the originals. He took the originals back in between 45 A.D. and 125 A.D. And all those originals that were spoken to those 66 men as they put down what God said to put down and breathe words into existence. All those originals we don't have today. Oh, but God began to preserve by making handwritten copies. Uh, hand, well, they're, they're called manuscripts, handwritten copies. And God took men and they were writing these handwritten uh, manuscripts, 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 manuscripts until 1453. 
Whenever 1454, when there was a Glutenberg uh, printing press came forth, and now it began to press out this Texas Receptus of this of Erasmus who came from uh, came from Antioch, Amen, Lucian of Antioch, and we find now that these texts of Greek are being produced out by hundreds and thousands of copies and copies and copies and copies. And then we find that they took those Greek manuscripts and they put them into English. It was a seven-period time. We call it seven fires. That's what, that's what uh, Psalms 12, and it became the Word of God called the King James Version. So not only did he inspire and he preserved, but he published in Psalm 6811. And today we have a Bible, King James Version Bible. It is the authorized, preserved, inerrant, infallible, holy scriptures. That Bible will bring you wisdom unto salvation Amen. through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God. The Word of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you saved? If you die right now, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven? If you're not, you say, I'm 95, come talk to me. I'll take this word of God that will make you wise unto salvation, and you can be saved today. Don't walk out of here with doubt in your heart. Let's get that cleared up. Because you know what? When you walk out of here, like Brother, Brother Keith said this morning, with you just breathing today, that's grace. Matter of fact, what you're, what you're breathing is God's breath. He's letting you borrow it. Right. Yeah. And one of these days, you're not going to breathe no more. And you're going to shut your eyes for the last time. And you're going to get hard and you're going to get cold. And we're going to put you six foot under. Unless you want to be cremated. I'd hate to go that way. And then people are just going to have a memory for just a little bit, then no memory at all. Because everybody's going to forget you. They're going to forget what you did. They're going to forget what you said. They're going to forget all about you. And in hell, will you lift up your eyes on the day that you depart? I'm just saying this morning, God did everything he could. Jesus did everything he can. Holy Ghost to God's doing everything he can. And if you walk out of here this morning, it's because you're just rebellious and stubborn, and you don't want Jesus. And because of that, you're going to pay your consequences. The Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I tried to give you what I knew this morning. I pray this morning that it would be a help to you. I didn't get to preach it this morning, but I didn't know if you knew that there when you're reading in verse 15, he says that you knew the Holy Scriptures as a child, so the Holy Scriptures are knowable. Well, Timothy, when he got saved, he started reading the Scriptures as a young child. I'm just saying this morning, a lot of people say, I can't understand the King James Version Bible. Well, it ain't because you can't understand it. It's because you are spiritless. This book is given by the Holy Ghost of God. And you've got to be saved to understand it. You've got to be born again to receive it. To you that are not saved, this is foolishness. What I preached today was foolishness.
And you'll walk out of here just like you came in, unsaved, un lost without God, full of bitterness and full of hate. Your life's in a wreck. You got no joy. You got no peace. Everywhere you go, there's a fight. You don't even have nothing. You have nothing. You're an adult. You've got a job, but you've got nothing. You're living off of mom and daddy. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to come to Jesus? When are you going to allow Christ to take over your life? When are you going to say, I'm done. I'm sick and tired of myself. I'm such a liar. I'm such a deception. I'll just do things by deception. I'm dishonest. All I care about is beer and barbecue. All I care about is the Super Bowl today. All I cared about was what I want to do and when I want to do it. Won't you come to Jesus today? God's done all He's going to do. Jesus done all He's going to do. Holy Spirit of God's doing all He's going to do. It's up to you now. You sing, Brother George. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. Is there not anything in your life you need to alter? At the altar where you can alter. He'll meet you right here. If you step out, you step down, you fall down with homage and humility and honesty, He'll meet you here. How about if you're saved this morning, but you're just not right with God, there's sin in your life. There's unforgiveness and bitterness and there's jealousies. There's just a coldness. You're just far away. Won't you come and get near to him? How about you this morning? Christians are praying. Sinners are contemplating. Thanking. Thy domain.
choose and foreordain their two hands us born again. O Thou, Almighty Lord and God, how most delightful are Thy laws, far greater than pure gold that's wrong. Choose and foreordain. Then-